Welcome to Mama Maria's podcast. Why is it named Mama Maria's? Because we are both mamas and we are both named Maria. We also each have a beautiful teenage daughter who has special needs. We want to share our stories, experiences, and successes with all of you to hopefully provide you with encouragement and hope, as well as to let you know you are not alone. Let us begin by saying that we are not lawyers, healthcare providers, licensed counselors, or teachers, but we do understand the various aspects of being a parent to a child with special needs and hope that our background will offer you knowledge and support. Our podcast is supported by the Association for Special Children and Families, which is a not-for-profit family support organization of professionals and parents who have children with any type of disability. You can learn more about them by visiting their website at ASCFamily.org. We encourage you to email us with comments or suggestions for additional podcasts at podcast at ASCFamily.org. I am excited to announce that we have a new Instagram page at Mama Maria's podcast. Please follow us there to get information or news about our future episodes. Hi, Maria. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have Leah Whitman Moore with us today. Me too. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. How you doing? Happy yeah. New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> so Maria, you found um, Leah for us, right? How did you yes. about finding her book um, and meeting Leah? Well, I met her at the Abilities Expo last year, and um, and we talked briefly, and um, she was actually in the booth next to me. And I saw, um, you know, I just saw her, you know, with her books and interacting with everyone. And I just thought, you know, I, I should really go over there and and and, and have a chat with her. And uh, I think we spoke for about two minutes, Leah. I don't know if yes. spoke. it was, it was kind of busy. You were very busy. And, uh, and I just have to tell you your book, uh, Loving You Big is fantastic. Thank yeah. you. I Wonderful. echo those sentiments. I couldn't put it down. And I, I saw that on a lot of the reviews and I was thinking, wow, there's a lot of people who are saying that. And uh, I was a little skeptical because, you know, People have positive things to say, and then they piggyback on other people. But quite honestly, my goodness, it was humorous. It was emotional. It was touching. It was factual. It was real and yes. uh, exciting to just see what was going to happen and what was the next thing your daughter was going to do. What was the next thing your kids, your twins would do? <laughs> yes. And, yeah. And just to learn about the ups and downs in your own life as a mom, yeah. as an educator, as a wife, it, just so exciting. Leah, can you can you give us a little summary for our listeners who haven't read your book? Sure. So um, I am happily married to my husband. We are both teachers and um, we have three children. And since basically the moment we found out we were having a baby, it's been the most ridiculous parental odyssey. Um, so my oldest child has a very rare disability called Kritisha, which stands for cry of cat in French, and it's a deletion of the fifth chromosome, and one in 50,000 people have it. And that's a whole story, which we can talk a lot more about. And then four years later, we had twins, um, you know, because 
we needed something relaxing. And <laughs> one of the twins was born with uh, excessive fluid in his brain and they thought he might need um, brain surgery. And the other twin they were concerned about for quite some time that might he might have leukemia because of his platelet count. So there was a, a long time where I had sort of three medically fragile children and was still trying to be a full-time teacher and a mom and all the other roles in my life and like be a person who laughed and watched TV and talked to my friends about TJ Maxx sales and normal things. Um, and to fast forward, I have three healthy children. My daughter is now 11 and my twins are seven. And uh, the, the one who we thought might need brain surgery um, has uh, intellectual disability, attentional issues, vision issues. And the one who we thought um, might have leukemia, twin, twin B, I can call them by name, uh, which is Oliver. First one's Austin, mm -hmm. second one's Oliver. Um, it turned out it was a um, autoimmune disease called uh, idiopathic thermocytopenia, something I'm still learning to say, ITP, and he will be just fine. So happy, healthy, and now just navigating three kids of very different readiness levels with a lot of therapies and dysregulation and still happily married. So there's the full yeah. circle. That's a plus. That's a plus. Yes, that's a plus. Yeah. So, so I don't know where to begin because I have so many questions, and I and I know Maria has a lot of questions too from reading the book. So, um, um, Maria, what can I can I start off with one question and then we can go back and forth? <laughs> Except I wanted to just make a comment actually. Uh -huh. Okay. Because All right, Leah brought up about your one son uh, possibly needing brain surgery. And this is, I just want to read this little bit um, from page 93 of your book, if you don't mind. You're talking about um, the doctor. You went to go to the doctors to find out if your son was going to need brain surgery. And thank God the answer was no. Um, so at, toward the end of this chapter, you say, he set us up with future appointments, a strict schedule for a neurologist, an eye specialist, and a rheumatologist with early intervention evaluations to follow. Not a problem. It wasn't brain surgery. And that, you know, the pun is incredible. I, I put yes. a heart next to it. Um, that's something I learned from a college professor. When you're reading something, if it's your book, you can write in it as much as you want. That's and, right. We love annotation strategies. Right. And one of the things she did is she would put a heart next to something that really touched her. And I did that. I don't know if you could see. Uh, I just, I just loved it. So I had to share that with the audience because that's the kind of, um, that's that's the kind of reading enjoyment and information you're going to get if you buy this book. Uh, it's just filled with wonderful nuggets like that. Thank you. I really started writing it because I I needed to write the book that I wish I could have read. I felt really alone as a mom in this world, and I love humor. I love laughing. I love connecting, just like mom to mom, which is why I love your podcast and what you're doing and. So the, the tone of it does just sit, feel like you're sitting down chatting with a friend. Mm. For sure. And I would say the way the book reads, and, and I love the fact that it's short chapters because uh, we as caregivers, we don't have a lot of time and your chapters are perfect. They're like little, uh, little, little bites of, of all of our lives. 
somehow yes. I found my story and your story, uh, you know, and we have very different stories, but I, I definitely um, related to a lot of what you were saying on page 227. I don't know if you have your, uh, your book there. I do. Uh, you, I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned your husband and I think that there, there's a passage here that I think a lot of us can relate to. Um, could you read where it begins? I thought of all the things I wanted to say to Zach, mm-hmm. Zach, who is, who is your husband? Yes. I thought of all the things I wanted to say to Zach. I'm worried my stress adds to your stress. I feel guilty that I want time alone. And when I get it, I feel too guilty to enjoy it. I'm nostalgic for our days before children. I am regretful I don't have the energy to put into our marriage the way I hoped I would. I'm sorry our love notes have dwindled to a post-it sticky note that says, I gave her medicine. I feel like we are living in a world of no when we used to dream about the possibility of yes. I'm worried our children don't get enough attention and the chaos isn't healthy for them. But of course, I was too tired to say any of this. I mean, that just, that just got me. I have had those moments. I can't even count the times. How about you, Maria? I mean, I've had those, those moments so many times with my husband. Um, And you, and you captured that beautifully. Thank you. I I think in, in, in meeting so many moms like us, that's the universal, we're too tired and you don't get to be tired because there's too many things that have to be done. And those are really important things. They are sometimes life or death things. And, and, you know, you're only, you know, I talk a lot, you're not a robot, like you have to breathe at some point, but what gives is the relationships that you feel the most secure with. And for some people, that's their partners or their parents or their siblings. And we just get quiet because you run out of time and breath to talk. So yeah, I don't even remember writing that, put it that way. That's so tired. (laughs) Uh, Wow. I'm trying to find it because I have so many things underlined here. Yeah. I um, wanted to cry by the way, Leah, when, when I read that, I was, I was about uh, to cry. And then I said, I have to finish. I have to finish the chapter. uh, I'm trying to find the section. um, It's in the beginning or close to the middle and I can't find it, but it was, you, you had said something about how you were um, you and your husband were sitting on the couch and you know, that was like your date. You didn't really have time. You didn't have energy to like really sit next to each other. You're kind of just like waving and. Yeah. Is it the Daniel Tiger <laughs> moment? Is that what you're referring I think, to? <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Because there were so many references in here, Lori Berkner, Daniel Tiger, Peppa Pig, yeah. you know, that's our life. <laughs> right. But we do. She knows about Lori Berkner. Oh, that's great. So she, she watches Peppa Pig. So do we. <laughs> it's, it's all there. Um, that, that chapter I think is the, uh, it's a, a word of wisdom from a special needs dad, which is 206. And what's interesting, um, so the English teacher in me always thought this interesting. And the first time I wrote the book and you talked to your beta readers, they said, oh, are you married? And I I kind of forgot to mention anything about my relationship because I think <laughs> I was thinking like, this is my story. This is my point of view. Um and there's a lot of feedback, like, are you the only person in the house doing this? And I said, oh, no, in my house, I'm fortunately not the only person. So I interviewed him. And what came out of him was Daniel Tiger has lied to us. You know, all the lessons we get on Daniel Tiger are total crap. And 
So for Mila, I use all these words and that's his like only direct quote. So oh, funny. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, forget all those little jingles he teaches the kids. That's right. None of them actually work. <laughs> so can you tell us, um, I know you said that you, you wanted to write this because you wanted it to be the book that you wish you had, mm -hmm. but when did you actually sit down and start writing it? What, what made you really sit down at your computer and say, this is going to happen? So I would say Jordan, the boys weren't even a consideration and I, um, had all these ideas of what wanted to write but I felt very I've sort of learned to call it like a teapot that doesn't get to whistle like just really sort of backed up and um I, I teach ninth grade English and my students were writing a personal narrative and I wanted to model what it would look like so I sat down at 11 o'clock at night and wrote this piece that just poured out of me of what it's like to be a person who loves words uses words married somebody because we met in a theater program about words and to be raising a child I was told might never have them um and I I probably wrote it in 15 minutes I mean it just flowed and the next morning I read it to my class as a model and I cried like the deep, ugly cry that you're not supposed to show pretty much anyone and certainly not a bunch of 14-year-olds at 7.45 in the morning. Wow. And I remember one kid was like, are you okay? <laughs> um, like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Writing's magical. You know, I tried the whole thing. So yeah. I came home from that and I, I said to Zach, I think I have some more stories in me. So it started as a blog. It did not start as a book. Um just as a way to connect to other people and get my stories out. And then the stories just keep on, keep yeah. on coming. My life just gives me more and more. Um, so I would say I started it when she was probably two. Okay. And then uh, I didn't publish it till just, you know, recently. So it's, it was yeah. a long journey to get the stories. And are you doing a part two as she continues to grow? So I'm feeling like I need a, um, the puberty journey, like okay. what yes. does this look like? A sense of humor about how to navigate all of this now when our body's changing. Um, last month, she came out of the bath and said, as she was naked, what do I do with these? Referring to her developing chest. And I said, oh, just leave them there. Just, just leave them there. Um, so I have some notes on, on book two. Just not sure quite where the time will come. Oh yeah. Well, good luck. Thank you. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the way the book reads, it's, it reads, I mean, I know it's a memoir, but it, but it reads sort of like, um, if there are listeners out there who were just starting on this journey and listening to that diagnosis from the doctor, your book sort of carries you through mm -hmm. until I would say about age, age nine or something yep. like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all sort of the, the feelings of a caregiver, the feelings of a marriage that has, you know, this situation. And I mean, it's just brilliant. And you're right. I wish this is the book that I've had. It would have helped me feel less alone. And I think it will, you know, anyone who picks it up, it will, you will feel the same way, but you know, there were parts of it that I think were um, very raw, like, like, like Maria said, and one of them was when you went to um, the dance recital hmm. uh, or, or the theater, the theater, 
And you were very angry. Oh, both. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You were very angry because you knew exactly how this was supposed to go. And um, you had a realization. Can you tell us a little bit about that realization about people with disabilities and your realization as someone who did not have real disabilities? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so for the listeners, just to give a little context and then my big epiphany, I, um, despite being a teacher, I'm not very confrontational. Um, I tend to move towards more of the sweet, empathetic spectrum of the world. And the first time we took Jordan to a dance recital, um, you can actually see a picture on on my website. Like, she's just the cutest, like in her pink little thing. And (laughs) I mean, couldn't be cuter. And to fast forward the story, there was a very, very, very rude woman who basically said like this child, she, uh, she, uh, which is the most important part. And she said, this child is so distracting and it just silenced me. I, I, I was horrified and luckily my daughter didn't hear. And I, I didn't really stand up for myself through a series of events. I ended up having a conversation with this woman and I still didn't say what I really wanted to say. And it, it still just, the ugh gets me more than anything else. Um, and then we fast forwarded several years later and um, Jordan was in her school club play and she was the um, the magic carpet in Aladdin. And it was, the, I mean, here she has two parents who were theater teachers and we were over the moon and she had one line and, and Jordan's language, um, while it exists, it's very difficult to understand if you're not a familiar listener. So she practiced her one line, which I think was like, off we go forever. And um, basically by the end of the event, none of the plans we had in place were followed through and she was sort of left alone on stage. Um, and it was horrific. I mean, she knocked a kid over, she took over the stage, she broke through the curtain, she invited everybody to like a birthday party, but nobody could really understand what she was saying. And to sit there and watch it was just still one of the most, I'm going to use the word embarrassing. I was embarrassed and I don't know who I was embarrassed for. Um, And I came home and the anger that I felt, and I am a huge proponent of mental health and therapy. And I brought it to therapy and in working through it, the big finale that I came up with, which I didn't know when I started the book is that I, like so many people had absorbed the notion that a disability was something that was sad and that needed to be fixed and, and perhaps needed to be hidden. And I didn't know I felt that way because I grew up in a really kind family. I grew up as an educator. All I want to do is help people. But when it was my own family and my own child, I didn't realize how much I was trying to almost fix her. Like, well, if she was in the play, like everybody else, she could have this experience. And if she could be in this dance class, like everybody else, then X, Y, or Z. Um, And when I came to terms with that, which took a long time, I truly moved to the phase of acceptance and, and really advocacy. And that's what the end of my book is really celebrating are, are the people that help us move through the world. I call them ladybug warriors to, ladybug warriors. <laughs> I love my ladybug warriors that right. Ableism is saying that we don't have to change the child to fit into the world. The world needs to change to fit my child. 
So now I have no problem saying, this is what my daughter needs for her accommodations to be in this space. And recently um, she attended camp and she came home basically exposed. She like wasn't wearing her clothes. And the camp's response was, well, I don't think she was aware that it happened. So I think it's okay. And that's just egregious. I mean, it's, 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 it's horrible. And I think the old me would have still thought it was terrible, but made some excuses or hemmed and hawed or tried again. And, and this new me, I was like, she's, she is not going back to this space. You don't know how to meet her needs. And frankly, you don't deserve her, right? Mm -hmm. She, she shouldn't be in that space. So it's a very long answer to kind of show the journey that I take the reader through of how I learned to name my biases, which I think so many people have. And those biases aren't necessarily our fault. They come from the TV we take in, from the books we read, from the messages we receive. Um, 87% of people learn about disabilities through the stories they read and not from real interactions. But then when we look at the stories, they're perpetuating all of these stereotypes that people with disabilities are a burden or can't have a sexual relationship or harm to themselves or a source of, you know, ridicule. Um, So I'm really just trying to change that narrative so that future me's don't have to work on doing it so difficultly. I think a lot of that, the part that you mentioned with um, that it's negative and that it's a burden, some of that comes, unfortunately, from the funding from the government. Yes. When we think about what a struggle it is to ask for those patients and children who are on Medicaid, adults and children, that's an example of, well, you can have just what we think is necessary for you to have. Yep. And that to me is- Excellent example. Yeah. So something I would love to bring up, um, because I have such a close relationship with my dad, and it certainly seems like you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I there are there are so many things in here about your dad that I just related to and just gave me the warm and fuzzies. <laughs> um, page sixty one, where your dad gives you a call, and he says, um, "You need a change of scenery. Go somewhere. We will watch Jordan." You should always have something to look forward to. Oh, love that. Yep. And I feel yes. exactly that way. It's, it, we have to have something to look forward to. I don't care if it's, we know we're going out for ice cream on Sunday <laughs> afternoon, Yes, <laughs> but it, even better when we know we have a weekend away or something like that. Yes. And to know that your parents, you know, wow, they're so supportive and helpful and accepting um, and I also love the part in the beginning when um, your dad went with you to one of the doctor's appointments and oh, yeah. the doctor was trying to get yeah. Jordan to pick up a pencil or something. And, and I think yeah. you put, I, again, I don't have the page in front of me, but that's okay because people, you you know, please go out and get it and find <laughs> it yourself. It's awesome. But how you said something like your dad was trying to love the disability Ugh. out of her. And I know I'm putting that in different words, but yeah. But that, that's exactly what we often, we often do. You know, we yeah. feel like, well, if I love her enough, I have a daughter with a disability. If I love her yes. enough, it'll make it better. It'll be okay. Yes. And the exactly. Is, if, we, if we love them enough, it does make it okay because it shows them we love them just the way they are. Yes. And we're here to fight with them and to succeed with them. And I, I just thought that was so touching. Thank you. 
Shout out to Lenny. Um, one of the things that's was been really difficult for me is is how my parents and the other relatives also make sense of this for themselves because now they're worrying about for my parents in particular are worrying about their own child and they're worrying about their first granddaughter. And I just wanted to keep saying, no, 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 everything's fine. We'll figure it out. And the sooner I could sort of just succumb and say, yeah, no, this sucks. I remember I, I didn't write about it, but when um, we were waiting to hear if Oliver did have leukemia or not, my parents basically came over and like tucked me into bed. Oh. Yeah. And my dad was just like, like just, you know, my mom's making dinner, like, let's just let us help you. And I think a lot of us feel like we have the weight of the world on our shoulders. And whether it's whether it's a parent or a neighbor um, or whoever it is in our in our network, just asking for help and accepting it has been a really hard process for me. And um and and just so everyone knows, this week what we're looking forward to is we're having a play date with a turtle and I can't be more excited. So even if it's a play date with a turtle, it gives us something to look forward to. There you go. And if yeah. it makes her happy and you're together and you're that's happy, right. That's all whatever that it takes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I noticed too, is that you, there isn't much mention, at least in the beginning, um, maybe a little more towards the end that about relationships with other people, moms who have kids with special needs. Mm -hmm. I found that to be, I hate to use the phrase severely lacking and I don't mean it to sound negative, Yeah. but, but I kept looking for that and waiting to find that. And yeah. I'm just wondering, um, what's the status and is there a particular reason that you would like to share? Yeah. Um, they weren't in the book cause they didn't have anybody. Um, we, we moved to our town, um, where we currently live before we had kids and we just started working and I, I worked in New York city. Um, so I was just commuting all the time and then I had a baby and then I was baby mode where you just walk around the neighborhood. can't really make friends that way sometimes. And then my baby was so different than everybody else's baby that I couldn't have play dates. And the poor thing was in hundreds of hours of therapies that there was no time. Um, so while um, I'm very friendly by nature and I tried my hardest. I didn't know anybody. And when I did know people, yeah. they certainly weren't people who understood microcephaly and all the things that I had to learn. Mm -hmm. So, um, very, very slowly. I, I, I think I first became friends with all the therapists. Yeah. Like they, they yeah. lingered like, like a lot of us. Yeah. A lot of us are that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like her first birthday party, like was like four therapists sitting in our kitchen with like a cupcake. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, so, and you're so grateful to them. I, know, I was like, thank you so much. Um, so the, the status is I do have friends. Yay. I have met Yay. People. Yay, friends. <laughs> I have some virtual friends. I have real life friends. Um, there is a network of moms and dads in Jordan's class, she has been with the same people for several years. So I have gotten to know those parents and, um, and now I'm no longer the woman invited to birthday parties that cry because I'm so grateful that someone invited us because that doesn't help <laughs> yeah. me. Make and I am continually, um, 
I think the more comfortable I am with how messy my life is, I mean, like if we're going to have a play date, there's a high percentage that someone's going to be naked and there's another percentage that someone's going to pee and like someone's going to get a bloody nose and that might happen for all of them. And like, if you're not okay with that, like don't sign up to be friends with us. So now that I can own that, I do have some friends. So there's some updates for book two. You'll see them show up. (laughs) Okay, great. Yes. Yes. And is Jordan friends with their children? Mm-hmm. Great. At the very end, you'll see um, if you read that she does this amazing thing called Challenger League Soccer. Mm-hmm. And um, the the kids are on the team and then the parents talk. And I'm very happy to report that Jordan just had her first sleepover. Oh. Uh, a friend slept over here. Wow. And it was magical. Um, so she has a bestie. And she does, that's like the one person she has play dates with. And then she has a boyfriend, but it's not, he's not, it's not requited, but her love is real. That's cute. Yes. And how does she do with that other bestie, her first bestie? I forget her name. The one who had moved away. Manami. She moved to Japan. She talks about her still. If Manami is listening, we miss you, Manami. We don't know your email address. Um, (laughs) we lost touch, but, um, she says, Manami moved to Japan. And I said, yes. And we hold all of her medicine that she takes because she also has epilepsy and has a lot of medication in a box Manami gave us. So it's the Manami box of medicine. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So she's still in our lives. Great. Well, I was wondering if she had a relationship with her because I think you had said something like you hope that they can do it virtually or something. Yeah. We lost touch. Yeah. Yeah. So Leah. What advice would you give to a parent whose child recently received this diagnosis or, or any other, you've also been through a lot with, with your boys. So, and you talk about that in the book and about receiving news from doctors. Yes. Um, so the most, the most immediate, um, advice that I, I give is to be really kind with whatever emotions are coming through you. Um, I think some people think they should respond one way or something like guilt or anger comes up and they're pushing that away or, or denial, um, that, that it really is the grief process, right? There is something about mourning a life that we were expecting and a journey that we were expecting. And then realizing that the life that you end up with, um, is going to be just as beautiful and if not more, and Everyone throws everybody the Welcome to Holland poem, the famous Welcome to Holland poem. But I would say the top three things for someone who has gotten any kind of diagnosis is fill your community box with the experts that you trust in the medical world, if that's what it is, or the teachers or the therapists that you need to support your child. Find the person who you can ask for help and not have to apologize for asking or be worried about how much they're doing for you. Um, and, and also reach out to some sort of community. So whether it's a podcast like yours, um, my organization, we have the 5P minus society where we can reach out and ask very specific questions about Kritisha, which only we know because it's so rare. Um, but, and the world of social media and technology make that really friendly. So those would be my three levels of support. And once that's layered, then remember that you're a person too, and that you have to be you have to exist or, or, or you can't, you can't function. And it's not yeah, necessarily yeah. just like a quick manicure. 
right? It's really knowing what you need. And for me, for example, that was writing. Wonderful. And what have your children taught you? I mean, you, you talk about that in the book, but, but just for our listeners, if you could. Um, And I think it keeps changing as they get older. The, the biggest thing I'm learning is the slowing down and the appreciation of these little moments. Um, For example, last week I was sitting in a room with my two who really struggle and we were looking at a book together. And for the first time in my life, no one was hitting at someone else with the book and nobody was dysregulated. And um, Jordan was trying to read a word, which is a big deal to begin with, um, which she couldn't read. And Austin, who's a new reader in second grade, sounded it out for her. And it was... And I am like, I just like filled my body with that moment because I'm going to need to hold on to that for the next week when everyone's screaming and kicking about all the different transitions we have to do. But that's what my children have taught me that it's, it's those teeny tiny moments that when I breathe them in and I own them that carry me through just as much as maybe the neighbor's kid is winning some sort of trophy. Like ours aren't going to be public. And they might not be hung up on the wall, but they're just as powerful and sometimes even more so because they weren't supposed to happen. I love that book. I love that phrase. They weren't supposed to happen. Yeah. Because I, I was told my daughter wouldn't walk. She wouldn't talk. She wouldn't be cognitive. Uh, she's in dance class. She's done rock climbing. Horse, she goes horse riding every week. And she uses a gait trainer to walk, but that's walking. She can get from A to B. Yep. So that's walking. Yep. <laughs> Nobody said it had to be without any device. <laughs> exactly. And I also have the unbelievable pleasure of teaching an adaptive theater class. So at school, I get to teach theater to wow. about 18 students with significant disabilities, of all types and readiness and all mm-hmm. verbal, nonverbal. And it is by far the most joyful part of my day. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's, it's repeated for what happens at home of just how joyful it is to have someone look up at you when you call their name after three years. I mean, that, like, I, I encourage people to meet other people with, with cognitive disabilities and, and just get out into the community because we're here and we belong and we deserve to be played with. And it's just the most joyful part of my day. And where can people find you? Because you have so much to, I mean, besides your book, I feel like you have so much knowledge or you've gained so much knowledge throughout the years. Yeah. People can find find me at lovingyoubig.com. And my, all my social media is at lovingyoubig. And the title will make sense if you read the book, because it's kind of a title, but it comes out in the book. Um, So everything is at lovingyoubig or lovingyoubig.com. And there's a really cool documentary someone made about a baby Jordan um, showing her development that you can link through there that's on YouTube, um, where a lot of people who get the diagnosis of uh, Krita Shaw find it. So um, that's that's really cool as well. And I, I always say, if you write to me, I'll always write back. Because when I was new in this world, I would write to all these moms and no one ever wrote back to me. <laughs> and I just oh. wanted to connect. Um, so if you write to me, I always write back. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. So one last thing um, on page 131. This is the story where you take your three children into the, into the supermarket. Oh, 
you just have about four or five things on your list. And the most important thing on the list was chocolate chip muffins, and they didn't have any more. And I was waiting to read uh, how Jordan freaked out, and she wouldn't accept that there weren't any left. And instead, she took it in stride and said, no muffins, let's go home, my list done. And people were observing you with your three children um, in various uh, attire, the different silly things that you mentioned that was just adorable. And most of the time you apparently must have heard, well, you have your hands full. And I've heard that too, and I don't have three kids. Um, but at the end, this man drives by in the parking lot and he says, hey lady, and you say, yes. Hey, I saw you in there. And you start to apologize. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, it was my our first time. And he says, you are a terrific mother. Have a great day. And I love that. That's where I wanna end it because I am inspired and I think you're a wonderful mother and I just thank you for, for being on. And I hope that other moms and dads will read your book and, and receive a lot of joy out of it as I did. Thank you so much. What a beautiful way to end it. Thank you. Thank really you, Leah. Thank you so here. much. And the book is called Loving You Big and I loved it. And I love your podcast. So it's all paying it forward. Oh, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Take care. Send me thank that picture. Best I will to you and your family. Look, thank you. We'll have you on and again to yours. after this. Yes. Yeah, we're going to have you back on. Okay, I'll get writing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. We would love to hear from you with suggestions for additional podcasts or comments about how our discussions are impacting your life. Feel free to email us at mama maria's podcast at ascfamily.org. If you've appreciated and enjoyed what you have heard, Please rate and review Mama Maria's because it helps us reach more listeners who will hopefully benefit from our podcast. We're so glad you're with us and that you want to be part of our lives because we want to be part of yours. Thank you for listening.